Okay, so uh, welcome to the podcast. Today I've got a special guest, uh, Jimmy C- Custis or Custis? Custis, Custis. Custis. Jimmy Custis. So you are the writer and uh, lead actor in and uh, producer for your movie Body Swap? Yes, at bodyswapmovie.com. Okay, awesome. So I, uh, you were kind enough to send me a, uh, a link to this movie. I uh, watched it on, I don't know how to say it. Is it Vimeo or Vimeo? Vimeo, yeah. Vimeo. So I watched it on Vimeo. I had a great time. Um, so I thought it was kind of in the spirit of Napoleon Dynamite. Yes, except they even had a bigger budget than we did. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I felt it was in the same spirit as Napoleon yeah, Dynamite. Yeah. So, I mean, um, when I was younger, like in my late teens, early 20s, um, I grew up in a city called Calgary kind of north of montana yeah um, but i i go downtown to the um there's an indie theater and watch some indie movies i wasn't like a big indie movie guy but um i like to just see things that were outside the normal kind of hollywood mm-hmm. so napoleon dynamite was one of them um and then i watched uh, body swap and i was like i feel like i loved it oh great right uh, i was just back in that same kind of indie movie thing how many how many screens at that theater that I went to see Napoleon Dynamite at? Yeah, like, did they I do, think like, it was one two. Screen, two screen, yeah. I think they had two screens kind of thing. And you walked, like, it was right downtown. And you, uh, like, it had the classic, like, movie theater uh, booth, like, box office kind of. You know, like, the, the person you're paying for the ticket for is still standing behind glass kind of thing at the entrance. Yes. Like, totally like your classic... Uh, 1970s movie theater kind of thing yes uh once upon have you seen once upon a time in hollywood part of it they have a scene like that in one of those like theaters where she walks up and she gets a ticket to her own movie right right yeah so it was exactly that kind of theater and they just played indie movies so uh yeah pleasantly surprised to start watching body swap and uh and to get that indie feel again yeah it's good um uh I'm glad that you felt that way about it. Yeah. Uh, similar kind of style of humor, I thought, to Napoleon Dynamite. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, there's not too many indie... Comedy is not something independent films like to tackle because it's very hard on a small budget. Um, a lot of comedies are also sold on the idea that you've known the cast before. And this right. Is a, yeah, this is a unknown cast a little bit. Okay, so when you're talking about big budget in a comedy, is it mostly paying for the cast? Yeah, I think so, because I've seen, there's a James L. Brooke movie I just watched on, and you can watch it on Netflix, where it's got Reese Witherspoon and Paul Rudd, and if it wasn't them, they said it cost $100 million. Right, Jack Nicholson's in it. The whole movie, uh, I don't, it's a James L. Brooks movie, I think it's like How Do You Know or something. And that movie, if you did it independently, would probably be. I could do it for fifty thousand, but right. if you wanted right. a splurge, it would be a million because they're just going. It's just two couples. It's like two guys are fighting for Reese Witherspoon, and they go between apartments. I don't think I've seen any epic sets or anything. I think Owen Wilson plays on a baseball team, a pro baseball team, but even that's like easy to do on a budget. So, I think a, a lot of the yeah, money in big movies is towards casting. Right, right. Okay. So that's interesting because I thought that 
like just as an assumption, I thought, you know, comedy, because it doesn't require big sets and stuff like that, that it would be uh, something indie movies would yeah, go no for. Yeah, special but, effects, really. Yeah, it, but it's the cast you got you to gotta splurge on, hey? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, uh, man, just some of the things. There's this one scene where you're walking down the street in yoga pants. Yeah. And that, like, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so like i had some good laugh out loud moments watching this movie mm-hmm. like it wasn't just like yeah, i yeah, chuckled yeah, to yeah. myself and do you know and and what i was read gonna the re- say is well i'll tell the audience is that i wear yoga pants as a guy yeah, yeah. so so uh, a bit too revealing and also i would be on set with a bunch of extras and we had to like go back and shoot more things at the same set and then i remembered i could just put on some shorts over the yoga pants <laughs> So I would do that. I would do that if there wasn't a shot with me. Right? Yeah. 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 Oh, that yeah. was yeah, that part was hilarious. There were yeah, I I was surprised um because there were quite a few laugh out loud moments and I know do you know what? I watched I read uh the reviews for this. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I, you know, it kind of ticks me off with indie movie reviews is they they usually kind of they're like, "Well, you know, it is an indie movie, and like that's how they start off their uh, their review, mm-hmm. and and I'm just like, do you know, like, either it's good or it's not. Like, don't do this whole condescending, you know, like, well, it's not Hollywood. Yeah, like yeah. this movie, this movie's got actual, I'd say, laugh out loud moments, and I I watched the whole thing, and I thought this wasn't like this was great. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like um, I didn't walk away from that saying. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't tell people, you know, well for an indie movie. I'd say hey, you should watch this movie. Um mm. see if you like it. It's yeah. one other thing I think I found, you know, with trying to do a podcast all by myself and then also when I was a teenager, I was in like a I had a garage band, hence the name of the podcast, but we made our own demo and kind of the amount of work that goes into undertaking an independent artistic endeavor all the behind the scenes stuff people i think on the outside just think you're having some fun with your friends uh-huh, but really yeah. like so you're you were a producer for this movie as well were you the producer yeah i was like the main uh i was the producer and then i had a director so producers kind of to it has a, a, a lot of people call themselves producer and they do different things some put money into it some put time and effort into it some put both um some so i would work when the camera wasn't on me uh which is like half the movie because we follow a different character a lot of times where i'm not there i I would do stuff to help the production out um but producers more like if you wanted to think of it as they work before the movie shoots and after the movie shoots and then right um especially if an actor producer like me and then I go to acting mode most of the time but I would sort of have to switch between that but I can't uh I might direct my next one e- even though I'm acting in it but it is it is hard and Tim did a great job so I like yeah. the result um but yeah you would like scout locations and fi- uh audition cast and things like that to find the best fit. Um, I was going to say about the garage uh, band thing. I want you to check out this music video. It, um, 
It's called Old Friends by Ben Richter, and they shoot it sort of like in a garage with the band. Oh, okay. uh, it's professionally done. But yeah, go watch that sometime and uh, who, check who it out. Who was Ben Richter, you said? Yeah, Ben Richter. R-E-C-T-O-R. Old Friends okay. is the name of the song, and it's a good music video that I like. It's uh, Okay. Uh, I kind of want to put that in a mo- movie, that song. It's a good little <laughs> ending song to a movie. Right, okay. But, uh, yeah, uh, that would be the case. Um, so you're, so like, oh, when oh, you're... Oh, one thing I was going to say <laughs> okay. is... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, several things was, yeah, the indie thing about it uh, is this, um, comparing it to bigger budget movies or what have you is, I, I say it's like old Simpsons where it's sort of hand-drawn to... New Simpsons, where you've sort of seen it all before, and it's it gets old, but it's yeah. more like professionally done now. Like the animation's way smoother. Yeah. It's, so it's like I consider it a more hand drawn movie, is what I would put it. For sure, yeah, for sure. Um, so one, I guess, like working as a producer, because I just kind of want people to understand the effort that goes into something like this, like when you're, when you were uh, shooting the movie, when would your day start? When would your day finish? Um, just depends on what needed to be shot that day. So like, right. Um, even indoor scenes, it was hard to shoot. We could fake nights sometimes. Um, right. day was even harder to fake, you know, cause you'd have to have bright lights that we probably didn't have to do that. Yeah. Um, you can uh, yeah. So, it would be based around do we have night scenes do we have right okay day scenes and start the day then and we try to give people 8 10 hours of rest but it would be 16 hour shoots and then you know they get about 8 or 10 hours off right to do the next thing so we would sort of base it like that so 16 hours a day that's just the shooting time are you doing stuff before and after the shooting time or... um i would do things so you were like you were on like four hours of sleep or i don't know it was it was it felt like i got plenty of sleep um right but uh it would it would be long days and just um i think people were running on adrenaline of like the cast and crew really wanted to put in the extra effort every single time i was even though i was like putting in money and putting in a lot of effort a lot of them would want to go above and beyond to make it as good as they could. So um, that we had a, a prop where there's a, um, a smoking. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the paper shredder. Paper shredder. And right. so we had, I was not going to set those sprinklers off in that uh, place where it was just like an office, you know, with all right. the nice office furniture. So, uh, you didn't want to put real smoke, so we did dry ice, and they came up with that idea and went out and run out, got some dry ice. Uh, the actress and the um, the lead actress and the one of the the directors of photography, um, right, went out and got it. So they just come up with ideas like that to make it better. And so, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna, like, how big was kind of your production team, like your. You've got your director, your director of photography. How how many other people are helping you behind the scenes to put together a movie this we size? Would, uh, 
we would have a sound person and that alternated a lot of times uh right but to put it in your terms the director says it's like well the director's an actor too and he would say every film set he's been on the sound guy's kind of like the drummer right a new drummer every day right (laughs) but uh we'd have you know two sound guys it just was they alternated but they were with us and then so it's at least one sound guy a day not two and then um we would have a dp and then the director and then me doing producing duties when i could and then we had our friend uh ali and she would do sort of camera stuff craft services different taking down and putting up different things and um she's she's an actress as well on the movie she has the uh pants with the uh lettering on the back of them oh yeah okay Mm -hmm. uh so she was on she was on our crew and she'll she'll work with us again right okay so you're like you're kind of managing a team of about on top of the actors and actresses like four or five people so I mean, I just want people to appreciate that. Like, you look at these <laughs> well, indie movies, you. you look at an indie movie, and it's like, oh, it looks like they're just having fun with their friends or whatever. But really, we're talking 16 hours a day. You're managing people. You're dealing with people problems, right? Yes. Like, you're, it, it's like a job, right? It's like any other kind of job. You're the general manager of this entrepreneurial endeavor, yeah, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. the pressure's on you to kind of get things done. Um, so, I mean, when people watch, when you watch an indie movie, don't just walk away and say, oh, you know, I could have shot that on my iPhone or whatever. Like, (laughs) this is serious business, right? And this is, I don't blame them for thinking that because I kind of thought that (laughs) going into it and I, I did an independent film. It was almost like that prior. Right. And if you just, yeah, if you just go up a little bit more in production value, I'm sure even from, from what I did to this one. It was a big uh, going up the scale, and then you, when you, I'm sure over that, it's a even. I've been on an extra on film and TV sets where they have hundreds of crew. There's music videos with way more, you know, ten times the crew than us, and it's probably harder. Right. Oh, for yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> to have more crew, uh, so I'll, the COVID times is probably going to be. I was like wanting to do a movie in September, and if I had a little bit more money, but. Uh, locations fell out and i didn't have money to make up the when you're working with such thin margins i right. I, I didn't want to cut into crew and cast budget so i postponed that movie but uh, locations were falling through that i could have got for free but they didn't want people going in and breathing right. covid all over there <laughs> right. i think i think it's a little bit overdone i think we've uh, i think we found out it's not as serious but um in these covid times I think that sort of style is going to come back very bigly and uh well that's not a word but big. <laughs> <laughs> uh uh and Mark Duplass said something about that in an article is he's like he's done movies like that where it's five crew and that's going to be the norm now where you have right extras you put crew in the background like we did. Right. You know, you move people around you get you bring friends and family over to be extras. Um, right. So it's probably going to go to a more indie feel, and they'll probably have to do that just to save, because the theaters aren't making any money, so you need to save some more money too. Yeah. So, Did sure. you uh, sort like is is uh, screenwriting like your full time job, or do you do something else on the side, or 
Like what's uh, kind of your background? Right now, I'm literally fell back into like that character unemployment. Okay. Um, okay. I didn't so, take as much. Yikes! <laughs> I didn't take as much unemployment as I could have during my. Um, I would take care of a handicapped uncle. Uh, oh, okay. And the government will pay you if they're right. your uncle. Uh, I think even they'll do it if you're uh, more close, like your mother or father. But people don't know that. Uh, oh, okay. You just got to fill out the paperwork, and um, uh, I would run out of like the stipend. It was a still a good stipend, but you know I would run out of that halfway through the year, and I never even collected unemployment. I could have done that every year, um, uh, I just didn't. But I've had I've had to do unemployment where you go, oh yeah, I've applied to these jobs and they're um, <laughs> so you've uh, lived the life. Like yeah, <laughs> okay. Of but uh, yeah, so I was doing Airbnb, and that was um, what I've been doing while I'm getting this movie during the film festival circuit while I've been getting it to release, um, I would, I would ask a, a, someone with a house on Airbnb if they wanted me to rent out the rooms. And this is kind of an interesting aspect of this is a, I would ask them, can I rent your house out and then sublet the rooms? And then I would have like a three bedroom house and I'd rent out the two rooms for like, say if I was renting the house for a hundred a day, rent out each room for 50 make you know pay for my house <laughs> oh, for that wow. month. so i would do that in different areas atlanta tampa uh usually around a film festival right you kind of you need some cojones to do that hey yeah i mean for sure because you don't know if it will work out you know yeah and it, i mean it almost didn't work out in tampa until halfway through the month um and I mean, you're definitely doing it for more, like you're only breaking even. If you own the place, you might be able to make a little bit of money. But right. uh, I would do that. And it built up, um, I got a decent, like 100, 155 star reviews on Airbnb, which I'm just like sitting on. So I have that profile. Right. Uh, we'll see if I ever have to go back to that. I'm hoping to just make movies. But <laughs> Right. Oh, wow. That's great. But, but yeah, I've just been doing the uh, COVID life living with my uh mom and dad oh okay <laughs> right mm -hmm. um did like did you go to did you do an english degree or something or like how did you get into screenwriting when i went to um college uh well when i started real young is i would just draw cartoons and i drew cartoons for my school newspaper and liked the aspect of of combining visuals with writing and i took a few film classes and then into college i took film classes communication english psychology right um uh just anything that would help me with my writing but i've been writing for a very long time i'm more of a writer than a reader i took a right. long time to learn to read yeah <laughs> uh but been, i would write i would come up with hbo cartoons ideas and stuff and you know freshman uh eighth grade freshman year of high school you know uh be be coming up with like plot lines and episode ideas oh and really? I yeah i pitched a show to cartoon network in my college days okay um but uh it uh didn't go anywhere but they were interested um and so i i went to the uh so i started that uh watching my handicapped uncle during the recession did right. a little independent film with the director of this movie, Tim. 
yeah. uh, called New Cops, and we worked on that for seven, eight years, just casually filming, no budget. Just oh, really? <laughs> so, me dropping weight everywhere, uh, our hair color, our hair, our, our hairstyle and facial hairstyle was changing all over the place. Right, right. Um, and you can see that one for free online. Okay. And uh, so we, I had this in a drawer for about seven, eight years, and this, yeah. I wanted to tackle screenwriting again. So I just sort of practiced on a bunch of different screenplays. Um, wrote a screenplay about a dog cop. Uh, right. Okay. I had the screenplay to Deadpool. I saw that in advance, so I wrote a little sequel to that just as a, like a, a practice. And then right, I went right. back to Body Swap, and I, I finished that up and started writing it. And now that I've written written done this movie, I can... After doing the movie, you know how to write for writing for making a movie. Right. <laughs> so I've learned that. So, like, is there... Are there scenes, like, in the movie where you thought, when you're writing it, you're like, oh, my gosh, this scene's going to be amazing, and then you actually film it, and you're kind of like, eh, this is so-so. And then do you have the reverse where you're writing a scene, and you're like, eh, and then you film it, and you're like, oh, my goodness, this scene was actually amazing? Um, I was, I don't think everything, I think what did happen is I felt it got better. Everything got better along the process. I don't know. Um, looking back on it, I don't, I don't know how to say it. I always say we're making movies until like they can just put on a headset and just think up a movie and some kid can think up whatever. (laughs) And we spent all this time (laughs) making Black Panther and all these movies when an iron man and all that and a kid can probably just think it up yeah in a second but uh yeah uh i think it got any more done is better you know so yeah. it, it would get better it, when it was filmed and then it would get better once it was edited and it would get better once the color was edited and we could better once the uh stereo mix was done and once the oh well once the music and sound effects were put on before the stereo mix you know and just uh and the music and whatever else was added it would get better and better and um so but that's not really the question you asked but no (laughs) No. but uh it um i we would get on set and um something that would take 10 or 15 pages we would find we could get done in two or three um right okay especially that scene where they switch we didn't need to it's maybe takes about from when he goes into the interview to where they're like okay we're gonna pretend to be each other that's maybe five minutes in the movie uh right and it was probably 15 minutes on the screenplay of them uh thinking they they were ghost they didn't know they switched bodies they were like are we having an out-of-body experience so, like, you know, that one person thought they were a ghost of the other per- They were looking at themselves. Right, right. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. So, they thought, one thought, they were, they both thought they were ghosts. Yeah. Or, or they thought, um, it was very confusing how I'm describing it, but, you know. No, thought, I like, I understand what you mean. <laughs> yeah. If you see the movie, like, you see somebody else in your body, and you think you're having, like, an out-of-body experience, you don't realize you're in the other person's body, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's what you And that yeah. whole idea, I think, was scrapped. Uh, right. None of that, none of that made that in. But right. the idea that they didn't know they were each other carried for you know a good minute or two. They don't. They're totally confused. 
Yeah. They're, yeah. they're going into the women's bathroom. They don't. Someone talks to them. <laughs> they're like, I don't have time for you, Lisa. You know. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's yes, you don't now you remind me like that bathroom the first bathroom scene, yes, that was a laugh out loud moment for sure. But I'm definitely not married to um like if it takes place in an elevator. Mm-hmm. When I was starting I was like we got to have this elevator, you know, cuz I wrote yeah. an elevator and the has does not matter where they're standing or anything of uh, where they have a conversation, especially like I live I write very dialogue heavy things, so. Yeah. You can sort of move those around. Right, right. Okay. Um, I mean, where do you... Like, are you a rom-com guy? Like, is do you go home and watch rom-coms? Or is this That's, just... That what... is a, a good genre that I like. Right. I've probably grown to appreciate them more. I think when I right. wrote it, I don't know what made me decide to write it other than... I thought it'd be funny to combine a rom-com with a body soft comedy. Yeah. And I always, I always say that about the filmmaking experiences don't come up with the most original thing ever because it's just, you know, uh, some sci-fi things, just a talking raccoon, you know? <laughs> it's yeah, not, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not, yeah. <laughs> you know, a, t- like, a talking tree and a talking raccoon. And that's, yeah. you know a big sci-fi blockbuster it doesn't have to be something you've never seen before you just combine things that are familiar maybe for sure yeah you like um like i watched this one video on youtube it talked about how everything's a remix like we've only been telling <laughs> like four or five stories since humankind well, what is that started music? telling There's stories only three chords or however. yeah yeah oh yeah like every pop rock song's four chords in a different mm-hmm. arrangement mm-hmm. and melodies even get very very similar in I don't think as people we really like a lot of change and uniqueness in our stories, right? We yeah. we kind of expect stories to kind of go a certain way and when they don't, that's usually when you get audiences that are, you know, you get like almost an uprising and they're trying to burn down the movie theater. I do think we, that it's kind of funny that love is nothing like how we want it in movies. What do you, what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, I don't know. I Maybe because you never think of a guy that writes romantic comedies. I always think of just <laughs> all animals just want to mate and they just want to oh, find right. the strongest person to mate with. And right. <laughs> love is not uh, as, as gushy as it is in the movies and books uh, in real life. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> um, I think it's, yeah, it's romance for a reason and people yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. They want, here's, yeah. Yeah. Go they ahead. Want, they want love to be like uh, how they want it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like here's true love in in my family is true love is me unloading the dishwasher first thing in the morning. Um, <laughs> you know, true love is my wife buying ginger beer when she for me when she goes out to does her grocery shopping. <laughs> yeah. You know, that is your day to day true love. It's I'll put the kids to bed two nights in a row, right? That's the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's that's true love on a day to day basis, and uh, yeah, definitely for sure. Movies don't. So, did you that. watch this with your wife, or? No, she's like, um, she's not into artsy things like <laughs> like I am. <laughs> we kind of agree well, to disagree. 
Well, you could just tell her it's not artsy. I bet <laughs> you people will fall for that it's not artsy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sorry, maybe artsy is not the right word, but I mean, like I, I look for unique niche kind of things. Hmm. She doesn't, right? That's not her. I do think some couples will like this movie and right. not. If this is a. I do think Napoleon Dynamite broke out like you were saying because it was not the typical independent film. You could probably, I mean, they made cartoon spinoffs and all sorts of yeah. things off of it. Yeah. That I think it was a more mass appealing movie. And yeah. I mean, there have been independent movies, Halloween. A lot of them are in the horror genre, but yeah. they break out. So I don't think it's going to be very confusing or David Lynch. Ask for people. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, artsy was artsy was <laughs> the wrong word. I, yeah, I get your point. Um, yeah, it was the. It's kind of the, like I like to go to, you know, find niche kind of bands and niche kind of movies and things that people have never heard of and, mm-hmm. and, you know, that's kind of my thing and, mm-hmm. that's not her thing. So we just kind of, kind of agree to disagree. But I'll. So, so what niche bands should I check out now? Should you check out um, one that I found. That and they're very, very, they're kind of a prog rock band, but they're called the Deer Hunter. But it's uh, it's not deer like the animal. It's D E A R, Hunter, and they're kind of they're like this prog rock, and then they get kind of into almost like uh, it's hard to explain. Like just kind of a a weird. Um, they start int- introducing a lot more orchestral instruments as they get on. Uh, oh. into kind of their later albums and they're just kind of they use odd time signatures uh, Mars Volta is another one um, Coheed and Cambria kind of got into the mainstream for a little bit but again like some of their their songs well, that are not I've heard of yeah 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 they're uh, they're songs that aren't radio hits you know are, get a little weird <laughs> um, but I'd say yeah that kind of prog rock genre that's stuff that i listen to that i know nobody else listens to and i almost never say like hey you should check out this band because i know they're probably not going to like them at first because they are so weird and they're they're not what you'd expect their songs don't go how a song stereotypically should go yeah right so that that's kind of I accept that. I'm good with that, right? I know there's some people who listen to like weird niche kinds of music and they try and push it on people. Oh, yeah. Like it's almost like they're the Jehovah's Witness for that band. <laughs> like they're knocking on your door and like, have you heard of this? Uh, you got to listen to this. Yeah, and if yeah. you don't listen to this, you're, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So uh, before we started, you were talking about um, Gunnar Willis. Oh, I just like his character in that in your movie, um, just as like the sidekick, eccentric brother. Mm-hmm. I like. I thought he was great. He was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Um, are you guys like buddies? Are you guys good buds or? Uh, no, just he just applied or... for the he applied right. for the job. Um, right. He was from South Carolina. Uh, most okay. of the main cast we did not know prior, other than the guy playing Ted and the guy right. playing the boss. We know. Knew both of them early. We knew right. both of them prior. Um, the others came through the casting. And um, he looked a lot like my brother. A lot of people said that. Okay. A lot of people have been singling him out in reviews as well as uh, Ella Jordan as being really good in their parts. 
Um, okay, sorry. Like the impression I got from Ella, Ella Jordan um, when she's playing you, mm-hmm. you know, when she's playing a man trapped in a woman's body, she seems like she's off camera, probably a riot, like just a ton of fun. Is that like, like is she's, she a very fun person to be around? She's fun. Yeah. Uh, she's, uh, she's like a combo of like uh, both the characters you see her play. Right. Um, she's she's never had a, a day job. Okay. And she does play video games on Twitch or something. So. Oh really? She's more like my character than. Uh, the uh, businesswoman that she, she was originally play. playing. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So she was. She's. Yeah. She's like a very. Uh, like. A, uh, she was fun. She was. Uh, I, I, you sort of, it's sort of like a summer camp. You just meet these people. And I mean, I, I've been keeping track of their careers. I've seen Gunnar Willis do, um, uh, the resident on Fox. He was a, he had a big part in that where he's playing a, uh, a patient and he, uh, he, he takes too much colloidal silver and he turns blue and the oh, okay. doctors are trying to fix him he's like one of the patients like you would see on house the residence right, like a right. house type show yeah so he was on that and uh so i've been seeing him do some things and uh saw a few of them at different film festivals right mm-hmm. okay so oh sorry ella so she's a twitch streamer and plays video games all day <laughs> so i guess like her playing a guy trapped in a woman's body was just totally like that, she was, yeah, she was right in her element. Hey, that was, you know, because she did seem very, very comfortable playing mm-hmm. a man trapped in a woman's but body. She does modeling and stuff, so she's into makeup and hair and you know, girl stuff and big. Right, ridiculous. right. No, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's in real life, like when Harry met Sally, where she's making ridiculous Starbucks orders with a drink. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Where she does three pumps of something and then another three pumps of something else that comes right. out the three pumps right. she did. I don't know what, <laughs> why not just not do it. Right. But, uh, so, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, right. That was the first time. And you see her also feed a horse. Uh, sort of in the, uh, well, I don't want to spoil anything. But yeah, uh, yeah. I was going to say plot-wise while wow, there's horses and stuff, but she's feeding a horse. That's the first time she does it in real life. And she was scared of the horse. Oh, really? Um, but, uh, liked it, like doing it <laughs> after she does, just palms flat. Like you always hear and uh, feed the horse an apple. Exactly. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, she's, so what, what else was it you were going to say? Oh, like what other what were the other highlights I found in the movie? Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. Okay, the Dine and Dash. Do you want me to say any more about that or can I just leave it at that? Oh, um well yeah, we we had this part where we had this part in uh there before he he looks in it he takes this girl out to eat. And he's ordering all these fancy things because he thinks he's a big shot. And then 
His wallet has nothing but like GameStop <laughs> gift cards and stuff. <laughs> so it doesn't. That was yeah. sorry. Like when he, because it's it's uh, it's L. Jordan's character in your body, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so opens up your slacker loser wallet, and and it's just like, yeah, like gift cards and stuff like that. Yeah. And that I thought that was so hilarious because it was. Um, there's a lot of times where jokes like they have to tell you that it's a joke, right? And here's the punchline. Mm-hmm. But that was just like set up so well that yes, of course the slacker loser has no cash, no debit card, no credit card. <laughs> and then you open up the wallet and oh, and you don't have to say like she says nothing about it. She just kind of is like, "Oh, um, let's go." Mm-hmm. And I, this <laughs> like it was a perfect perfect joke in a movie. Yeah. And yeah. uh so uh that's a, a case of like I don't think that part was scripted, but the part where he gets out all this money from his boss that like there's a misunderstanding. It gets yeah, so the right. boss gives him some money, yeah, and he sees her with all this wads of dollar bills, and he thought she was stripping or something. So right. we wanted a a reason for him to say, "Well, I'm light on cash. I need some money." So right. we just sort of added that at the last second. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that very good, very good. That was like a laugh out loud. Oh, I love. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, I think the start of the movie when you're listing off all the video games. Mm-hmm. That was. <laughs> I like that's just some that's a scene where it's like like it's small, but to me, it just kind of it helps establish the character. Mm-hmm. It helps establish the slacker loser. The fact that he's like listing off a hundred video games and he's going almost alphabetically. Yeah. Right. Starcraft, Minecraft, well, world yeah, of Warcraft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't know if I could have that list memorized, but apparently I did when I started just saying, right. It. Yeah. Cause I it wrote was... it down. So <laughs> apparently you learn a lot when you write, write it down. Yeah, for sure. That was another, but they highlight. were, they were like wondering if I could even do it when I so it's like, I'll try. I'll see. <laughs> I wrote it. I'm sure I can do it. Right. Okay. Well, in this uh, amateur critic's opinion, I think you nailed it. Okay. So, yeah, I thought that was great. So um, I get one question I've got for you. Do you like ever read the reviews on your movie? Do you care for I, them or do you think they're stupid? Or I read you... all the reviews because I have to... Uh at least for now, know about them. I have to right. go to the reviewers and say, here's a link to the movie. Oh, um, right, right. When it goes to iTunes and Amazon, it will hopefully have even more reviewers. Uh, the review consensus is very similar to every comedy ever. Yeah. Even yeah. classic comedies like Clueless and When Harry Met Sally, is they're very polarized. Yeah. Or people like it or they don't. So, yeah. um We'll see what the reviews do. Um, on to- Rotten Tomatoes, I have one review where it was a five out of ten. Right. But so it's rotten. But if you read it, you could pull out quotes. Depending on what quotes you pull out, it's very schizophrenic. Where I like the review. I mean, it it makes sense to me when I read it. But uh, uh, you could pull out quotes that would be you would put on the front of the DVD that sound yeah. real good, and then other quotes where it's like. They're just like saying it's a, you know, amateur effort. 
So, <laughs> and the same yeah, review. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of funny. I we didn't. I definitely know from the YouTube comments on the trailer and the reviews that we did not trick anyone with our budget. <laughs> they know exactly <laughs> what the budget is. Yeah, it's right there on the screen. Um, I we might have tricked them a little bit. They might think it's twice or thrice the amount, but right. um. Yeah, they're used to watching a hundred million dollar comedies, and they know that that's not what they're getting. But they 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 put that to the side and seem to enjoy it. And we won a lot of awards at film festivals. Yeah, and, I saw that. Do you know? Like that being said, like I've, um, like the city I grew up in, they used to do Shakespeare in the Park. It was done by a university, like drama crew, mm-hmm. and um, it was free to attend. Um, but they do Midsummer Night's Dream, and it would be laugh out loud funny, and this would be on like a a simple stage, and um, college actors, and they'd it'd be laugh out loud funny. So, I movies don't have to be multi million dollar productions to be good. I don't think, mm-hmm. and it it. Mm-hmm. it that was something that bugged me in the reviews that they were kind of going after that. And I'm just uh-huh. kind of, and I get, so one, one thing I kind of thought reading the reviews is I was like, you know what? These are so useless. Yeah. 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 That's um, true. Maybe that, that is true. And, and <laughs> sorry, the other, cause I mean like, so I'm by trade, I'm a CPA and I work in a company and whatever I do performance reviews. I get performance reviews and usually to have a really good performance review, you give real crystal clear feedback on what wasn't so well and what was really well and and how do we coach and, and get things better. So, I mean, like a real good film review, in my opinion, would say if they had done X, I think they would have achieved Y a little bit better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then as a director or actor or writer, you can take that and say, okay, you know what? I'm going to try doing X. And if it works better, great. And if it doesn't, whatever, right? But these critics' reviews are just like the whatever. They throw out just like insults, right? <laughs> and it's yeah, just they might be. like, yeah. you know, they're like the lame acting, the whatever. And they try and sound sarcastic or they try and sound clever, witty. And they're really just taking shots at somebody who's just done something where they're working 16 hours a day. <laughs> yeah. You true. know what I mean? Like that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I know, I know you're trying to get people to review your movie, so maybe you don't want me slamming on, on critics' reviews too much. But that was just what I kind of walked away from was, yeah, I, I guess this was... And I, I don't know what the critics type thing is now because uh, there was... There's sort of a... Uh, it's sort of like the movie theater thing is that... Um, I know this sounds crazy, but uh, the movie theaters are now in a very tough spot where... The people that think COVID's real are are liberal, and the people that think COVID's fake think Hollywood's run by a bunch of Satan worshiping <laughs> child child sex traffickers. <laughs> so if you can't get liberals or conservatives or people that think COVID's fake or COVID's real, yeah, into your movie theater, you're gonna <laughs> it's gonna be a tough road. And so in my way, it's the reviews only can help me. I think people see the a picture of the movie and running past they might not even read the review they might just be visiting the site was looking up like uh marvel movie news or something 
Um, right. So it might help. But was in that same vein, I think they think the reviewers that were heaping praise on like that Netflix movie where they had all the teenage girls twerking. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they think the reviewers are very liberal, snotty people in New York anyway. So yeah. if they if it gets good reviews, that helps. But if it gets bad reviews, people just think, oh, the reviewers are. Uh, hating on it yeah <laughs> and, yeah and they sure. and they it might be like hating on a like on a hallmark film or something i don't know it's right. not, i would say if you're liberal or conservative you can find something i like in it but yeah. so i mean what i was saying about the i guess what i was saying about the reviews is not so much like what it does to skew audience opinion but you as the director the actor the writer the producer they're they're publicly coming after your work and they're not giving you anything useful you can take away from it. They're just either like heaping on praise without really explaining why or heaping on insults without really explaining why. Mm-hmm. And and as the person who's actually done the work, I'd say from those reviews, it's hard. It looks like it'd be if somebody is reviewing me that way, I don't know if I could get any better any at, at what I'm trying to do, right? Um, I mean, I can get better without critics or or not um i sort of just learned through experience yeah but uh if variety gives me a bad review it can only help with a movie like this because then they'll see the review and go buy it (laughs) yeah yeah for sure for sure for sure yeah um i think it's gonna get a lot of this is right before i'm getting this movie ready for amazon and itunes and um doing the quality control on it so that it could uh uh so that the stereo mixes exactly how they want it and it's right. um uh but uh when that happens i think people will see it uh a lot of people will see it um and right now it's just you know you go to bodyswapmovie.com you buy it it's it's unlimited you know, release it costs the price of a movie ticket, but you have yeah, 10 people yeah. in your house watching it, you know. Yeah. So that, um, it's a win-win for me that yeah. we can charge a little bit more than uh, when you first release it for people that want to yeah. watch it early and watch a movie. You know, they, they don't have anything to watch. They want to watch something. Yeah. There's not that many movies this year. So yeah. they, they go see this. Um and so that's helpful. And then when they, it goes to iTunes and Amazon and Redbox on demand, it yeah. won't be like in a DVD and a thing, but it'll be on Redbox on demand. Then they can um, get it for a little bit less. Yeah. So, like, is it you're looking at putting it on Prime? It won't be on Amazon Prime. You'll just buy it. Oh, okay. For gotcha. a little bit less price than what it is now. Right. But, uh, okay. Right now it's, you know, $10. Uh, yeah. It'll be like $4 to rent when it's on Amazon and I think it'll be very popular then. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I thought like, I thought, Hey, I've, I think I said my piece, but I thought it was great. So (laughs) uh, thanks, Andrew. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for having me on. And, uh, uh, I'll see you when I see you, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Do you have people throwing movie ideas at you all the time? Shoot. Shoot me one. Okay. So it just happened where we were taking our kids out trick or treating and because of COVID, 
like a lot of houses had just left bowls of candy out and it said, please take one. Mm -hmm. So in the movie, you've got these teenagers who are just like maybe barely too old to be trick or treating. And they've got like crappy costumes on because they're just trying to get candy or whatever. And then they see this one house and it has a bowl and it says, please take one. And then this one kid takes like three or four and his friends are like, no, you can't do that. It said only take one. And he's like, so what? I don't care. And then a ghost comes and haunts him Mm -hmm. because he took more than one. And then maybe for every extra candy he takes, the ghost takes something from him. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that could be, that could definitely be a Bloomhouse horror movie where it takes, (laughs) takes the high school, the ghost takes the high school kids one by one from them. Yeah. Yes. And everything else. And they're just dying around them and. He's got to get, just got to get the candy back to him. So I'm just gonna throw that at you, and you know what? If Please Take One comes out as a movie on Amazon, I, I won't come after half. royalties. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I won't yeah. come after anything. I'll just be happy to see it. I've heard this before. <laughs> I almost don't like hearing ideas because they'll be like, yeah. I won't um, come after it because I realize and understand. How big of an effort it is to take and get something off of <laughs> take this. Take a little idea and make it into an actual thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could come up with ideas all yeah. the times. It's like, he's got scissors for hands. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Except, make that so movie. You, yeah, that, what was that movie again? Edward Scissorhands. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, yeah, if you actually went through the effort to take that off the ground, here it is on this podcast, this public record you can get. I will not come after you for anything. <laughs> I would just be happy to see that show up on Prime someday. So, Well, thanks, Andrew. Thanks for yeah. having me on. Yeah, thank you so much because I understand it was very, very late for you. Um, oh, no, so it's thanks not for... late. I'm probably going to do more things after. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it.